Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, uh, last night I was watching the news and the Ferguson protesters in L.A. really cracked me up because they were trying to break down a fence and go into the 101 freeway. Okay, Now, if you don't know, you're not from L.A., it's 6 o'clock at night. They're not going to stop traffic because guess what? It's rush hour. Traffic is already stopped. So basically, I think the, the drivers would have appreciated them coming on the freeway because it would have given them some entertainment. And if they were really smart, tomorrow they would jump onto the uh, 405 because it's, uh, well, actually today because it's uh, everyone's going to the airport. So that way they could really stop traffic. It would be great. But that's all my Ferguson thing. I'm not talking about Ferguson. I, I don't want to. But my guest today, she's not going to talk about Ferguson. I don't think she's a she's a fellow New Jersey person. Uh, she's uh, highly recommended by Wendy Liebman, past guest who will be on in a few weeks, and my good friend Joe Matteris. And it's Rachel Butera. How you doing, Rachel? Hey, how are you, Steve? Good, good. Now, I, I was saying, to people, it's funny because her name's Butera and Joanne's name is Butaro, and it's just it's funny because I guess you're Italian. Yeah. Now Bloomfield, you're from Bloomfield. From Bloomfield, yeah. Now, did you grow up there or grow up born and raised in Bloomfield? I lived in Mont- Claire for a little while and then I lived in New York for about a year and a half. Okay, now when you were a kid, because I know you do voices and you got you do stand-up, you do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. When you were a little kid, thinking back, were you fascinated with comedy or were you fascinated with voices? Because it's sort of, I mean, every kid does voices, mm-hmm. but almost every kid who does voices suck. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm 51, so we would do the Nixon and we would do that. But, right. But now, as a kid, did something catch your eye that made you want to do voices and do comedy? No, I never cared about comedy. All I cared about was uh, movies. And so I, I was a, a crazy movie kid and I would watch movies and I had this ability when I was a kid, I don't have it anymore, to watch a movie and then repeat it back in, in the voices, like one time. Now, what were some of the movies? Um, you know, kid movies like Wizard of Oz, anything that was playing in my house, The Godfather constantly on a loop, that kind of stuff. Anything on HBO, like HBO just came out and stuff. And uh, yeah, I would just watch anything and my brother and I would sit and, and repeat it back word for word. Now, when you repeated it back word for word, did you put somewhat of an, an inflection in it and a, and a voice to it or was it just you and in like a conversation? I would do it as all the characters that I saw in the movie. That's fascinating. I mean, because just, because how old were you? Like, uh, probably nine, ten. And you remembered all this. I mean, how do you? Yeah. I mean, how does that happen? I, I mean, have no you, idea. I mean, you think about it because I can't even remember last week. I don't remember that. I can't do that anymore. I might remember like a sentence or two, a quote or two from a movie, but I can't repeat the whole movie back now. You know, you lose that as you get older. So you're nine, ten. You're doing that, and and now was your brother good with the voices? Great, he's okay. amazing with them too. Yeah. So that must have been now. What did your parents think about? Were your parents creative? No. <laughs> no. I mean, I, you would think, like, parents, it's like anything. It's like, I think the first time, it's cute. Like, oh, oh, you know, that's cute. And then I, you guys probably kept doing it and doing it, doing it. Yeah. And so, I mean, how what, what, how did the kids react to it in the neighborhood? Oh, that, that they loved. I mean, I, I would entertain the kids on a playground and stuff, and, like, all the kids in my school. I would do them. I would do the teachers. I would do, like, the kids we didn't like and that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's that sort of just, uh, that, that kept me popular, I guess. I've always wondered, because voice actors, which, you know, I guess that's a term, voice actors, mm-hmm. not because I don't like the word voiceover artist. That just sounds cheesy. That yeah, sounds like, hey, but I the know. voice actors, and I know a few of them, and I always wonder, and since you started at a young age, how do you, we all know what our voice sounds like to ourselves. And mm-hmm. like me, people say when I talk on the radio, my <laughs> voice is a little bit different. And when I do stand-up, my voice is different on stage. Yeah. How do you, How did as a kid, how could you make that, how did you get good? I mean, because as a kid, you, you hear we hear a certain inside and you're doing and you it seems like you're doing a lot of people. Yeah. How did you get good? Did you practice or how did it come about? No, I never practiced. So it was all natural. I just hear a voice and I can do it back. And and even if it's not spot on, there's some kind of little essence of it that people know that it's the voice. I never wanted to be a comedian. I never wanted to go into entertainment. I had no plans to do any of this. It all just sort of fell in my lap. Well, what did you want to do when you were younger? Did you go to college? I wanted yeah, I wanted to be a, a writer and an editor and maybe a college uh, English professor. So did you write during high school and you sort of didn't really do voices anymore or I mean you didn't start performing so you wrote yeah, I wrote. I wrote professionally. I wrote, you know, creatively and that kind of thing. And uh, and then I was. I had writing jobs all through my twenties and thirties. I wrote for a music magazine in New Jersey called <laughs> Liner Notes. Liner. Okay. Wh- okay. Was that lo- where was that located? Do you know? Well, it was. It was in Nutley and okay. where you lived. <laughs> I lived in Nutley. So funny. That's such a blast Isn't in the that past. Crazy. No, because the first time I was in Nutley, me and my ex-wife lived there, and I went to watch the Eagles game. I'm a big Eagles uh-huh. fan. And I didn't think, because it was before, it wasn't now when there's every game on. So I walk into this bar, and I'm not thinking, you know, with my Eagles jersey, and these guys from <laughs> that scuttlebutts, and now they almost kicked my ass, because they're looking at me, and they're like, and the Eagles, and they're like, this is a Giants bar, and I had to get out. <laughs> so so what, it was in Nutley. So what, it was in Nutley, and it was published for um, Compact Discworld. Do you remember that store? 
It was yeah. only in New Jersey. Yes, yes, I think I do. It was we had that and we had wall to wall records. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So you wrote, now what kind of art were you doing? Reviews on bands or what kind yeah, of Yeah, band reviews. I, mean, I, I did a ton of interviews back then. It was like for four years in the ni- late 90s and, uh, you know, all kinds of articles, just everything for the music magazine. And I liked that. That was cool. But then there was like, I was writing for auto magazines and I started writing for corporate in America. You know, as my career went on, I wound up in like at Medco, like in a cubicle. Okay, so you went from doing basically freelancing for a bunch of different magazines uh-huh. and then you ended up being corporate yeah now that must have sort of sucked because you know first of all any writer who you were writing creative you're interviewing rock stars right and now you're in the corporate so did you just hate the corporate world oh I hated it I despise it the only thing that saved me was I was in the creative department with really funny people and so I would do the voices of everybody in the department I would like go in my friend's office we close the door I would do voices everybody would come in that was like the only good thing you know what I mean but I hated the job itself but I still had no designs to get into entertainment because I didn't even know what to do or think it was possible it's so funny because a lot of people don't do that and and for you you're so close because I mean and I live in Nutley it was like 10 minutes from the city oh yeah so you're just you're doing this job and you're hating it so what mm-hmm. what do you think you're going to do next do you sit there and go I want to write a book or do you, I mean what do you what do you do as someone who because there's so many people that are stuck in a yeah. corporate job and you're probably making good money mm-hmm. and you're not making and it's more than the freelance money so totally. you don't want to go back to the freelance right. and you get stuck because you have a new car and you yeah. have a house yeah. and, all that. and so <laughs> what what do you what what made you break away from that and just say screw this I, I, I want to get out of this I won an impression contest on the Howard Stern show and my whole life changed okay so now you're a Stern listener yep Okay, were you a Stern listener all your life? All my life. Okay, because I remember when Stern came to Philly, mm-hmm. and it was great because I was working at the Comedy Factory outlet, which was hosted by John DeBella, <laughs> who was just a, such. You ever know those name droppers? Like you know, because you you're in a at business. Yeah, yeah. Like those people who just drop names. Like he'd be like, "So a uh, hall of notes were at my house unrolling this <laughs> China, this Asian rug or whatever." <laughs> and I remember when Stern came in, and, and I had known Stern from when I was in college because a lot of I went to Stockton in New Jersey, so it's a lot of North Jersey guys. Mm-hmm. And Stern was such a breath of fresh air. And I remember DeBella was so worried, like someone would yell Stern, he'd tell that we worked the door to Comedy Factory Outlet. If anyone, if he, they all throw him out. <laughs> so you listen to Stern a lot. Oh, yeah. And so what made you get the balls, basically, to sit there and go, I'm going to call in? Or was, had people told you, like, had people been telling you to start, do something with your impressions? Yeah, I'm, people well, always told me to get into voiceover and stuff. I just didn't know what to do. I honestly didn't know where to start. And uh, <clears throat> I knew I could do voices and maybe I'd be good at it and stuff. But, the, but impressions, I always knew I was good at and I always wanted to be on Stern but I didn't know how or in what capacity so the impression contest came up in September 2010 and I was like were you still at the corporate job or no okay yeah I still was and I was like oh my god I gotta enter this so I was doing it and I was recording stuff and then I was like feeling like ah he'll never pick me because I'm a girl and he doesn't think girls are funny and then my ex-boyfriend really is like you have to do this he's like you've been waiting for this your whole life do it so I sent in my impressions and then two weeks later he's playing them on the air he's going who is this girl she's amazing she could be our, our whole show Where'd she come from? What does she do? And so you did a tape. So I sent in some MP3s of uh, of impressions. Now who did you do? People from the show, Whack Packers from the show. I no, did, yeah, okay. I, I haven't listened lately. Are they yeah. people who call in or? They're like like you know how he has those crowd of wackos around him okay. like that always are on the show and stuff. I did. It, it was a, it was a, a staff impression and Whack Pack impression contest. So it was those people. So that was probably very different than anyone else set in. I mean, probably people sent in like you know Bubba Booey or stuff yeah. like that. Like so you. I mean, what made you want to do that? Was it just your creative mind that said I want to do something different? These were the voices I could do. You know, I heard Little Lupe the porn star. He kept having her on. Right, she was on all the time. Like, hello, baby, how are you? You like big boobs? And that was an easy one for me to do. And I thought they, you know, they played it constantly. So I was like, they'll love this one. And then, you know, Underdog Woman. Do you remember her? The one who used to put the cape on and dress up like Underdog? I have to start listening because it's so funny. My girlfriend has Sirius. And, and I can I can listen to it on a computer, and I only go on once in a while. And yeah. he's on Sirius, yeah. and I she I, sh- I should start listening more because I was a fan, and I knew Jimmy Florentine and then Bobby Levy. Jimmy I, I knew balls. all those guys. Yeah. Can you do a Jim Florentine? Jimmy Big Balls, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's funny. He, but back when he was uh, starting out with comedy. <laughs> he, he wore tight white jeans, <laughs> and he had like this hair, and he called himself, you know. I'm jamming Jim. He was jamming Jim. <laughs> My brother can do him really That's well. Funny. So, so you do that impression. You do you do the under. Now, what, what, who's the under? What, what did she do? Is she just she's so like, weird? hello? I'm afraid my health is failing right now, and I, I I can't see my way out of this dark hole. You know, it's that kind of thing. And these people aren't characters; they're actually real. They're real. Okay. Yeah. So, real so people. you you put this tape together. You put it through MP3s, mm-hmm. and who else did you do? Uh, 
Tracy Millman. She's a girl who works on the fucking Howard Stern show. She hates every guy. Everybody wrongs her. She calls everybody a fucking douche. Okay. So that was really popular at the time as well. So I sent that in. And then I think I did Gary the Retard and one other one. I can't remember. But. So you're doing this and then they start playing it before the contest has even started. Yeah. So, so you're, you're not even in the contest. Right. But they're playing it. Yep. So so what so then what happened? Where's it go from there? So he's so I'm like sitting in my car shaking in the morning because he's playing he's playing like the clips as they come in people who are entering the contest. He's like and listen to this girl you know, and he's like Rachel Butera. He still says my name wrong to this day, but I don't care. And uh, I was like, oh my god! So I became a finalist, and they brought five of us in, me and four guys, and we all competed against each other in the studio. It was like an hour long thing, and uh, people voted supposedly, and I won five thousand dollars. Now, what kind of impressions did the guys do? Because I. I come from the old school of like like back in the day like I mean I, I did a show back in Marlton, New Jersey a while ago and uh, actually when my girlfriend was living back before she moved out it was like two years ago and the guy the comic was doing the impressions but they were the Nicholson, that that yeah, were yeah, those yeah. guys doing those impressions? Or were they at least doing something different? No, because it was a staff and whack pack impression. Contest. Okay, so it wasn't the celebrity contest was a year later? I was on that one too. Okay. So you guys were doing guys from the show. So you do that? Yeah. And are you nervous when you're in studio because you really didn't have any yeah. stage experience? I mean, you, that's your first time really being in front of a mic. I'm guessing. Yeah, I was nervous, but I was good. <laughs> like somehow, I just uh, I was able to like go back and forth with Howard. It was all improv, um, and he spent a lot of time on me because I. Had I did the most voices and so it was it was like scary but it was so fun and exhilarating at the same time so you win and I know how some shows like Howard Stern work you probably then you've sort of hit like that celebrity status in that area I oh, mean just yeah. just for the fact that people that listen to Howard Stern are like people who go to those comic con inventions yeah they're they're rabid and they get to know everything All about consuming, you yep. and so you sit there and you win mm -hmm. and then, then what do you do so now you're the winner yeah. now you, but you're still this job now how did the job react to you winning did they oh my god they were all so they're all stern listeners and they were so excited we were like freaking out in my office going crazy for weeks you know what i mean it lasted the excitement lasted for a really long time but then i gotta tell you like after a couple of weeks i'm sitting at this cubicle and i'm like what the fuck now i got i got really depressed because yeah you have that inkling you, yeah you, now you you want to do more i mean it's it's, yeah. it's not like you're someone like it's not like you went out and you tried something mm -hmm. and you sucked right you went out basically your first time it'd be it'd be like i hear it all the time about actors going for the first audition and they nail something yeah so you go out your first time you win this contest and i'm sure people did vote but if they didn't who cares right you won that's yeah. all that counts and you won on howard stern who is a critic not a critic but i mean he he's he knows his entertainment i mean Hell he brings yeah. people in. so so you do that and you're in your cubicle and you're, you're going <laughs> god damn this sucks so what do you do next what do you sit there and go i got it. and you probably didn't know anything about doing stand-up and you probably i mean what do you and plus you can't go what if crowds don't listen to stern and you go into an audience so what do you do i didn't know what to do so so the next day after i won the contest abrams called me from new york and they wanted to meet with me and represent me and all that and be my voiceover agent so i was like all right so i started going on auditions for that but i never booked anything and uh and then this guy who heard me on howard was like hey do you do stand-up and i said no but i've always kind of wanted to and he's like why don't you do my show his name's adam sank and he's in new york so i said all right so i did my first stand-up show two months after howard Stern in New York um, it was like a gay bar but all my friends came like everybody came from New Jersey and it was great I did a great job and and then after that my second one was at the comedy store when I flew out to LA f to like do a cartoon because somebody heard me on the Howard Stern show and it all just started slowly snowballing from there now what what cartoon was that it was called effing with tonight it was for Sony crackle and this guy Jim needed a voice match for this girl he's like I heard you on Stern I think you're the only person who can do this and so he gave me the voice what was the voice Oh, uh, God, it was like a Filipino woman, okay. like a friend of his, you know, like, hey, I can't even remember. It was so long ago. Um, and it, he, I matched the voice. He goes, can you come out here and do a cartoon? I'd never been to L.A. I always wanted to come here. I came out. I'm, next thing you know, I'm in the studio with Patrick Warburton doing a, a cartoon. How amazing now? Because he's like such a, I mean, first of all, <laughs> besides being a great actor with Seinfeld and Rules of Engagement, yeah. he's a huge, huge voiceover guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I he's know. like, the, and, and he back from when he did The Tick and yeah. all that stuff. So 
so that must be a little bit nervous. Oh my god! I'm in the big now. studios with him, and you know you never do in, you never do com- uh, cartoons together with anyone. It's always just you alone, wild. But in this particular instance, he was there, and we're doing it back and forth. I was like, "What the fuck's going on?" It was crazy. Um, so I fly back to Jersey, back to my job. But by now, my job is like winding down. I'm narrating audiobooks for Audible.com, and I'm just going on uh, auditions and stuff. Now, now, auto uh, narrating audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Is that sounds like it might be a little boring? It's really hard for me because it's hard for me to sit still for so long. Um, it's tedious and and it's hard work too. You have to prep the book before you actually read it, so you have to read it before you read it. Choose your characters, decide where you're going to go. It's just a really like long, arduous thing for me. What kind of books were you doing? And must, must, but plus it must suck because you have a background in writing. And what if the book sucks and you're probably like, well, God, I, they wrote wrong. I'm not going to all the erotica stuff. It was all okay. Harlequin. They gave me Harlequin romances. That's what I did. Now, s- sex books. Really? <laughs> yeah. So so now, now is it your normal? I mean, do you have to do voices of characters in them, or you just say like? Because I've listened. I listened the first audio book I ever listened mm-hmm. to was The Green Mile. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. When I when that movie came out, whoever did the Michael Clark Duncan voice, whatever his name's voice in that book, uh-huh. I knew exactly. When I saw the movie, I knew exactly what that character looked like. Yeah. And it, it was so good. Yeah. But so do you? So did you do guys' voices too? And yeah, you do guy voice, but they, they they tell you not to really do voices. Like I think a lot of times the voices I do can hurt me because I they said just you know make it a little bit more subtle. You don't have to sound like a guy. Like even if you can, you don't have to do that. So I was I don't quite click with the audiobook thing. I, I don't know. And I always think I must be sort of weird. And this is just me, but I mean. Who's listening to, I mean, at what point did you- Everyone's listening. I know, but I'm saying at what point though, it's like, it's so funny that people buy that stuff. I know. I mean, and, but it's like, but to like to read it's one thing because you get, you get that cool cover. Yeah. But to actually like- You mean the romance novel? Yeah, to listen to it, it's like, it's sort of like, I don't, you know, it's sort of weird that you're sitting there going, you're listening to a romance novel. I mean, it's who cares, you got the work. Yeah. But I mean, it's sort of weird to think, wait a second, people are actually listening to romance novels. I think it's like lonely women, you know what I mean? And, and actually, you know, hearing, because a lot of it gets really dirty. So it's like dirty, dirty passages. And to hear that out loud, you, you, know, right. you always get aroused it's, it's when like, you start hearing <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> it goes to the spank bank. Okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're doing the you're doing the, the audio books. You're going off auditions, mm-hmm. and then now when you quit your job, is it a nice is it a nice leave? Like you say, oh, I, yeah. I'm going to follow. The, you know, everybody like, sort of knew it was coming because like I I've been working less and less. I've been taking days off to go to New York for auditions and, and flying back and forth to California. And then I came here and I met with William Morris, and uh, they wanted me. And I, they're like, for all the voices you do, all the animations here, you need to be here. So I was like, all right, I'm going. And I just I left everybody, and I came out to LA. So this is what year? This was uh, August 2011. So you basically, I mean, you know, you think about it and people talk about, you know, what your overnight success somewhat. I mean, because yeah. it was very meteorotic. I mean, most people, if they come out here after, you know, being in the business for eight months or whatever, you're not getting meetings with William Mars. Right. I mean, that's the thing. So you're sitting there and, and now when you were coming out here before you moved, mm-hmm. were you doing, were you getting a lot of work? No, I was mostly doing audiobooks. Oh, out here. Yeah, okay. in Jersey. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, in Jersey, because uh, Audible's in Newark. And then I moved here, and I just started auditioning, and I'm still still struggling to get work. Now, when did you start doing comedy? I mean, do you, do you do stand-up a lot, or you just dabble in it? I don't do it a lot. I honestly only do it when somebody asks me to do their show. Like, I, I don't hang out in the comedy clubs at night. I like doing it. I enjoy performing, and I think I'm pretty good at it, but I'm probably being lazier about it than I should. Now, how do you craft your act? Because looking, you you do the voices, mm-hmm. and it's like anything. I mean, you can, you, you have to have filler. Yeah. So, do you, like, what, what voices, when you go on stage, what do you open with? Do you say, okay, do you, do you tell people you're an impression? I mean, or you just go up and you, I mean, how do you do that? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't start with the voices. I start talking about my family and my mother, and I do my mother's voice because she sounds like this, you know? So I do the whole Jersey thing, and she tells me, you know, don't don't be, don't go to, don't go be an actor, just be a teacher. You get summers off at a pinch. You know, so I start with that, and I do, like, maybe my brother, my sister, and then I just launch into, um, so I'll say, like, oh, you know, when you go on Howard Stern show, what you wind up with is a Twitter news feed full, full of guys asking you, you know, hey, what would it sound like? Like if Rosie O'Donnell was sucking my dick, and right, right, like, kind of already sound like I'm sucking a dick, don't I? 
<laughs> so like that kind of stuff, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't I never do that. Like, so you guys like impressions? Every time I'm seeing comedy and I see somebody do that, I'm like, oh no. And that's the worst because you're really good at it. I mean, you're just doing those voices. You're very good at it. And that's the worst. Is like a lot of times when the people do it and they suck. Like I do a whole thing in my act. Most of them suck. I do a bit where I, I do bad impressions. I do Jerry Lewis singing Jimi Hendrix, and <laughs> but they're just they're stupid. You yeah. Know, I, I mean, Marlon Brando's a tuna fish. They're so dated. Right. And they're just dumb. And I'm not an impressionist. And that's the whole joke. Right. But it must drive you crazy because you're actually, it's like me if I listen to a podcast where someone just like doesn't ask questions, doesn't do the research. Yeah. I sit there and go, what the, you know. For you, it must drive you a little crazy because it's, it's, and I hate that, and this is not being mean to those people, mm-hmm. but it's sort of an insult to you because you're actually, you're you're a professional. You're, you're crafting. I'm sure you do practice your voices. I'm sure, I mean, they come naturally to you, but I mean, you, you when you go on stage, you know you know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. So much, does it piss you off sometimes when people go because it's like the hack impression? I mean, it's, I mean, does that? It doesn't piss me off. I just, I, I say like, what are you thinking? You know what I mean? I'm like, did you do this in front of anyone? Did you get any feedback on this? Because there's impressions that I won't pull out unless I get some feedback on them first from a, f- a few friends you know what I mean because um, I'm so scared of sounding stupid so these people that get up there and do it I'm just like man you got balls I'm jealous I wish I had the balls they did you know to, d- to just be able to like do these impressions that suck so bad and they don't even care right That's, <laughs> I, well, I, I laugh out when you see a comic who's just awful yeah and you go oh my god and that's not I mean I feel bad but then you see that comic like two years later and they're still just as bad. And I it's know. like, at one point, you have to sit there and go, hey, wait a second. Uh, people aren't laughing. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, I think, but I think anyone who does well, mm-hmm. like you, 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 you sit there and you, you'll do the voice of someone because you, you care. Yeah. I think a lot of people are just, they don't get it. I think they're just narcissists. They're just, they just sit there and go, oh, yeah, hey, I can, I'm funny. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, no one's laughing. It's like anything. <laughs> if, if you are a chef, it's like whenever I watch uh, Hell's Kitchen, uh, yeah. it's like some of these chefs, it's like, you just burnt 20 pizzas. <laughs> How are you a chef? I know. It's like, do you watch that show? <laughs> I used to. It's, but yeah. but there's, there's, these guys are so bad. It's like, how can you screw up Simon? You're a, that's what you do. Has that restaurant even been going right. for as long as it's been going? You know. <laughs> so you're out here, and now what, I always ask, uh, what area did you move to first? Because you're new coming out. I always because everyone like I first moved in the crappy area in Hollywood because I was going between here and San Diego, and people always say, you know, because you're from uh, Bloomfield, so yeah. you know, if you go into Newark, you know, it's yeah. crap. I mean, so you, you, it's I always say, people from back east know there's a like you drive. Oh, down, totally. You go, oh wait, I'm going from Nutley to Belleville. Here okay, comes wait, wait. That border. After Belleville, there's Newark. <laughs> or if you go, I'm in Orange. Don't forget <laughs> and, it. <laughs> wait, the good, the good, the Jewish part of Orange is East or West Orange. I'm not sure. West. Okay, but then the other is like yeah. Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, it's, awful. <laughs> it's Missouri. So you knew. So so how when you came out here, yeah. did did anyone help you out moving? Did you have friends out here? Or I had just... one friend here who's the sister of my good friend back home, and she lives in Los Feliz. So that's where I landed. Well, yeah. that's that's a great place. Yeah, except all the hipsters. Yeah, I know, I know. So you move out here and you get situated. Now, what did you think of LA when you first came out? Loved it. Fell in love with it. Always knew I wanted to live in California since I was a teenager, but just was afraid or thought it was impossible or whatever. Um, I knew I would love being in dresses and flip flops all year round in the sun, and I just friggin' fell in love with it. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I try to stress that, and I feel bad because sometimes, I mean, right now, I mean, you're wearing a sundress. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. Tomorrow. Thanksgiving. I know. I mean, I'm sitting there. I have a whole closet full of sweaters. Yeah. I can't wear them. And I then know. I go, and then I'm sitting there going, oh, next week. Oh, next week we're getting a cold from. It's supposed to go down to 63. <laughs> I know. And I feel bad because it's like you see a thing on Facebook. All my friends back east, and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, we got to worry. We're going to snow or rain. And yep. I'm thinking, well, I, I don't think anyone's going to have a problem getting to my place for Thanksgiving. I know. It's incredible. No, it's magical here. And like cer- certain days, the air, it just feels like amazing on your skin. Like I never get tired of, of Malibu and the ocean and the, the views and the light here is amazing. I really love it. Now, what do you think of the drivers? Because I think I think, <laughs> I think New Jersey drivers are great. They get a bad rep. They're, New Jersey's are aggressive, but yeah. they're good drivers. They're I, good drivers. I think the drivers out here suck. What do you think? They're terrible. They're They're scared. Is what they are. They're a bunch of pussies. Like a lot of people in LA, LA is very like pussified. You know yeah. what I mean? Especially doing comedy. You mu- you must notice it when you do comedy. You do I don't really do comedy, comedy much anymore, but I, I I know how it is. People, but people are just very delicate. Yeah, and it's it's because from from New Jersey, you just it's like I say you're probably the same way. Okay, what would happen if if you're at let's say Ralph's? <laughs> okay, now and Ralph's is you know which we all go to Ralph's, and you're in line and and it's like fifteen and under. 15 and items, under. items. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. someone has 35 items. Now, do you say anything? Or, nah. or, or you know, you just sit there. No, nah, I'm not an animal like that. <laughs> but you know, you don't, you don't make comments under your breath because that's nah. something. Because it, it pisses me off. Because I, 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 I'm like, it's, I can see if it's like 
18 items if you have. <laughs> but 35, it pisses me off. Well, I see, I would just leave that up to the cashier or manager to be like, hey, you t- you deal with it. But they won't say it. But they won't, and I'm not going to say anything either. <laughs> now, I want to just like live and let live unless somebody's up in my face, you know what I mean? I don't want to cause trouble. That's good, though. I'm not confrontational. So you're becoming more California. Yeah, I'm the, chill. I've been the, like meditating since the, the, I've been that, here. Do you, do you do yoga and stuff like that or I meditating? I do TM. I do TM. Well, what's TM? Uh, transcendental meditation. Now, what is that exactly? Because yeah. that's interesting. That's um, that's a, a kind of meditation where you get a mantra and you uh, repeat the mantra and you do this twice a day, 20 minutes a day, morning and night. And it's just sort of, a, it's, a, it's like a, an amazing relaxation kind of meditation that reduces stress from your body. Now, has it helped you, do you think? Oh, yes. Now, how do you get your... Because I, I, I actually have on my phone, I have like the uh, Buddhism uh, app. <laughs> yeah. like, and you sit there and, and they give you a mantra that you think about and you push right. for like a minute and you hear the boom, yeah. the bell. Now, do you get your mantras from an, a, another source or do you, do you come up with them? I actually went to the um, Transcendental Meditation Organization and you pay a chunk of money, big chunk of money, and you get taught how to do it. It's okay. like a four-day course. Um, and then they give you your mantra, which is like exclusive to you. It's not a word. It's just a sort of sound that symbolizes something. And um, it's yours. You never tell anybody. And then you get check-ins for the rest of your life, basically, for that money that you plunk down with your instructor. You can always go back and check in with them. And it's almost like free therapy. So it's, it's just a really good support system to have. It's good. So you relax you. So yeah. now, now you're out here. You're doing voices. Mm-hmm. And now how does AGT come up? I mean, that because that, that's... Oh, that's right. I forgot. That's, that. I want to talk about that. I mean, we'll talk about other stuff. But I want to talk about AGT because one... I remember because I was I was hosting a comedy night uh, at my friend's bar. I don't do it anymore. And mm-hmm. I before the show, Joe was on. And right. he had a great set. And, and Stern, you oh. know, whatever. And, and I sent Joe a uh, text. And I said, man, congrats, you know, whatever. And I said, you know, good luck. And then I don't know if it was – if he knew then, but he said, don't say anything. But yeah. I didn't. I didn't go I didn't forward. Go forward. Yeah. So how did America's Got Talent come up? Because so many, so many comics – we're auditioning for that, and mm-hmm. and it's like I see people on Facebook, and I'm going. I mean, I can see if someone with you has voices, or Wendy Lieben, who's just a genius, yeah. you know, or even like when John Wing was on the year before. I can see established comics, and Joey's very established, mm-hmm. and you guys had your voices, and Melissa. That's why Melissa Villain, Villain Senior, she yeah. did very well. Yeah. Now. What? How did? Did someone have to talk you into it? Did your agent talk you into it, or did you just say, "I'm going to do this"? Now the producers reached out to me actually two years before uh, when I first moved here, and I auditioned over at Universal, and uh, I think they they said no because it was too close to the time that I was on Howard, and you know he's a judge and stuff, so that didn't happen. So then this past year, um, they approached me again, and they said, "You know, why don't you why don't you send us a, a videotape?" I said, "All right." So I sent them a 90 second tape. They liked it, um, and then I went straight to the stage. I didn't have to go audition for the producers or anything. Now, did you send it? Did you did you do your videotape or was it from on stage? It was actually uh, it was actually the videotape. For, no, I did it. I re- I recorded it in my living room. Okay. It was ninety seconds. It had to be ninety seconds of impressions with like some kind of an arc. So who did you pick? Because now you can't do the stern impressions. No, <laughs> I mean be like against no. Howard Gamble. Who did you pick and how? Why did you pick those certain people that you decided? Because this is a big thing. And, yeah. and, they, and they reached out to you, which makes it even you know yeah. more much better. Yeah. So how did you how did you pick the people and what did you, what went through your mind? Did you say I got to nail this? Or I mean, yeah. wh- Who did you pick? I picked my best ones, which are. Rosie O'Donnell, Wanda Sykes, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Joan Rivers. I did Bjork, and I think that's it. Yeah, five. Do, I, how do you do Bjork? Just do Bjork real quick. I, I, I don't. Cause <clears throat> everyone, I just remember her in a swan dress and listen to Ice Cube. Well, Is I it? do it when I when I sing like her. So my original th- like the original thing was I had like Wanda and all her friends on a rocket ship going to outer space, like her and Rosie and, and Whoopi and all of them like fighting with each other on a rocket ship. And then Bjork would be like, you know, Hi, I'm traveling around. Cosmos through time and space. So it was like that kind of thing. Yeah. That's really good. I, I, now, have you ever? I, you know, who you, I don't know if you do, and I'm not going to give you advice, but you know, it'd be great because you you can sing. You ever do the girl from the cranberries? Oh yeah. You got to do zombie sometimes. Zombie. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. When you listen to the song, it's like it keeps going, and you're uh, thinking, God, uh, I want to hate this, uh, and you really like it. I know it's an awesome song. <laughs> so so you send you send them the tape. Yeah. And you've done. You feel very confident about the tape. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're you're pumped. Yeah. So you send it off, and you send it to the producer yeah and then what happens uh and then you know they they want it i mean i i kind of they i kind of already knew they wanted me because they came after me and then so the next thing that happens basically is i go and perform on the stage at the dolby theater in la in front of the judges and a 
audience of 3,000. Now, what's that like? Because I mean, the whole thing, with, uh, if people don't understand, if listeners don't understand, is you really don't have that much stage experience at this point. Not much. And you don't have, you might have comedy club experience, which holds about 200 people. <laughs> Not even. But I mean, what was, what was the biggest crowd you were on before that? Probably like 30 to 50 people. So are you, are you, you have to be psyched and you know they brought you, you have to know you're good, but are you, are you a little bit nervous? Because oh I mean, yeah. do you have the butterflies? Or yeah, the, totally. I have all that because there's cameras and there's crew and the stage is humongous. It's a real stage you know it's like real and uh and howard stern's gonna be sitting in front of me and i want to please him he's really the only one i care about you know what i mean i didn't i didn't kind of didn't care if like anything didn't happen from it i just didn't want to forget my set and screw up and look stupid so i was really nervous did you go up how's it go <laughs> i killed it you nailed it i, mean, <laughs> I nailed it and the thing is you have three thousand people and you're on the top of your game and you know they're laughing mm -hmm. and and the thing about if an impression is good and you're doing it, so you're doing it, and it's it's a funny. You must have got like applause break, which then you're probably sitting there going, "Wait a second, I only have this much time to do." I Ninety mean, seconds, that, yeah. Yeah. So, did, did you get a lot of applause breaks? I, I did, but I I probably rushed through it faster than I you know with nerves and then thinking I got to keep it in ninety seconds, which is really isn't true. Uh, I I should have known better because you got to give them time to laugh, and I probably rushed through it a little bit more than I should have. But yeah, and they were cracking up, and they were they actually loved the Bjork the best. Like the crowd went crazy, but they cut that for the final. Uh, that sucks. Yeah, they cut that. They didn't show it. So then that that's the audition. Yep. So then. Then did they say, okay, you're on the show now? Yeah, they're like, you're going, you know, you're going to the next round. Which is in Vegas? In, no, the boot camp round in New York that Joe and I met at. Okay, so you, and what, what, now what is the boot camp round? So that's when they take you, <laughs> they schlep you to New York and they put you up in a hotel. And then every day you go to this um, warehouse on the West Side Highway where they have you like all sequestered. And you basically just wait. You sit around and wait and do nothing, nothing, nothing. You wait for like interview, side interviews that they do or your background or you know when they finally take you down to perform the second round who knows when for me I, I got there Sunday night it didn't happen till Friday night 7.30 so you're here all day just sitting in this room sitting around doing nothing oh they feed, they're feeding you though and stuff like that yeah Subway, Subway sandwiches oh, really? and Dunkin Donuts <laughs> that, that damn show they can't give you like a nice cra I was on a crappy I was in a crappy uh, what's that big freaking techno guy's name the, the, the DJ Calvin Harris. Uh -huh. I was in a video of his where I played a creepy old guy. <laughs> and I'll tell you, and I, I just sat in the back and looked creepy. They had a great spread. I mean, they had meat and the vegetarian and the fish, and they had a taco truck for breakfast and all that. So they just gave you a crappy Subway and donuts. Yep, and I, I, bought my, I bought my breakfast and lunch every day. There was no way I was eating that shit every day. So you're in there, and then so Friday, you finally, what do they have you do? So Friday night, it's like Friday night, I'm exhausted. I've been crying in my hotel room every Why? night. Because it was like they were breaking us down. Like, I'm telling you, we did nothing for 13 hours, but we also couldn't leave. So we're okay. stuck in a pier, like stuck on the warehouse in the pier, and I'm just we're just laying around with nothing to do. Or, or like they would march us down to the where the shoot was happening, and but not tell us why, and then they would bring us back. And it was just like mind-fucking, you know what I mean? So I was like crying in my hotel room every night. I just wanted to die. I wanted to go home. I didn't care if they put me through at that point. Friday night comes, I go out there, I do my set, they took the audience away. There was supposed to be an audience, so now there's no audience. It's Howard, Heidi, the other one, Mel B, and Howie, just, uh, that's it. In the warehouse? In, 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 on the set, you know. Okay. Yeah, the set so is it's just, it's just the four just people? Just the four of them. Okay. I do my whole thing, nothing. Dead faces, no laughs, no nothing. Uh, Howie, Howie Mandel says, like, we didn't really, uh, I, I didn't really know who you were doing. I, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And, right. And then How Howard Stern goes like, oh, Rachel, did you take our advice and uh, work with a writer? I go, you didn't give me that advice. He goes, oh, okay. And then- So you said that to him? Yeah. Okay. Because they probably, they, they wanted- they were, It was all, it's all a mind fuck, It's all Steve. set up, yeah. Cause I, I mean, I, I, have, I have a friend who actually uh, does sound for some reality shows. And even uh, Brian Dunkelman, who hosted American yeah. Idol the first year, yeah. was on. And he told me some stories where it's the same thing. It's like- they sit there. It's like you can't be nice. You can't be nice because Brian was felt bad because someone got you know was like broken down to tears. And yeah. The producers like you can't be nice to them. <laughs> like we're the enemy, and right. it, it makes no sense. So I you know. do this, and they're giving you this thing, and, and you're pissed off, and you must have added to your because you're mentally oh yeah stressed. I was I was beaten down yeah. So so did you sit there and go fuck this? I'm going home or well that was it. I mean they're like you're not you know then so then so then we leave and the next night they bring me Joe and uh, Moody Moody McCarthy up and they say to the three of us like you guys are not going to the next round and I'm like on fucking <laughs> like the three of us were just like 
All right. We kind of had it by then. But then but then when did they air because they aired your sets, they right? They aired the good ones, thank God. Okay. Well, with Joe, they they screwed Joe. They they showed Joe's second one and they cut it all. No, cuz Joe's first one he did very well. Yeah. And so then you did the first one yeah. and you killed. Yeah. Okay. Then that was the one. That was this out here where you That's just That's the one they showed. Where you crushed yeah. it. Yep. And so now cuz we're such in social media age, now were people following you? On, did you get a bump in Twitter followers after the show? I got a uh, yeah, I got a small bump, not as much as I got f- through the Howard Stern fans, but but it really nothing really came of it. That were people pissed though, or, or yeah, they, yeah. They, like did people reach out to you and say oh, this yeah. is bullcrap? Oh, they were all over my Twitter, going, "What happened to Rachel Butera? Like, how could you get? How could you keep this this cat act and not and get rid of her?" It was like going crazy. Yeah, so I had like a lot of support from fans. It was good. Well, the one good thing though is if you look at it is as you said when you left, you 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 basically had enough of it. I mean, you you did your great set, but then you were like, "Screw this!" and and so you were. I mean, were you upset? I mean, or were you just just like I was so I'm relieved. Well, you know, I came off. I came off when. They told me I wasn't going through, and they have the camera right in your face, and they're like, "Rachel, how do you feel right now? Are you just trying to hold it together?" I'm like, "No, I'm so happy. I'm going to Jersey. I'm like, my friends are waiting for me. I'm like, seriously, this isn't for me. I'm like, this kind of thing kills my soul. Like, reality TV is not me. It, it, you're right, and it's so funny because it's. I always think, you know, when I watch some of these uh, reality shows, like the music ones. It irritates me because then you grew up in New Jersey and you worked actually you worked in the music industry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of good damn guys down the. I mean, I used to go to Wildwood and I actually used to go to Avalon, Avalon Stone <laughs> Harbor. But there's there's guys who play these bars and they. I mean, I could imagine how many times that they brown eye girl. Yeah. But they're so damn good. Well, yeah. But they're older and mm-hmm. people are like yeah. And then you see some punk on American Idol. I mean, now given they have the people who win, which are, I mean, Carrie Underwood's done well, Daughtry didn't win, but he's done well. Mm-hmm. But you sit there and you have these people who just. Uh, like they look pretty, so people vote for him. It's like, oh, wait a second. Oh, we're not going to vote for like when Adam Lambert didn't win. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, we're not going to vote for him because he's gay. Right. You know, but we're going to vote for this guy. Ridiculous. It's like, well, wait a second. You know, it's music. You're supposed to vote for the best musician. And Adam Lambert, whoever the other guy you paid, Adam Lambert's singing with Queen. No one's ever. No one's happened to the other guy. Right. So that must be. I mean, I think it's sometimes it's it's almost a godsend. I mean, true. If you had won, you would you would have gotten you know different stuff but then they, they also don't they sort of like own you if you win yeah there's a lot of things you gotta sign away and I think they own your material and stuff I don't quite know because I didn't get that far what I was really hoping to do and I think what Joe and the rest of us were hoping was just to get on a few times get a little bit of recognition I, I was hoping to get a comedy manager out of it I still don't have that um, and not really nothing happened I think because it was only one time and no one seemed to care it just came and went and you know it was exciting for like a week and then that was the end of it but you know what am I gonna do? I I couldn't I couldn't. It was feeling so icky to me, so like you know forced and manipulated and stuff. I just thought that I I won't be able to take weeks of this live in New York. I I'm a delicate person, right? Like, you know, to the contrary of what I may look and seem like I am, and uh, I just I, I just knew I wouldn't have liked it. And ultimately, it's better because I'd rather be on the Howard Stern show now. I'm doing voices for them every week. If I if I went through on that show, like I, w- I wouldn't be I wouldn't have been able to be doing that for him because there would have been a conflict. Yeah, I I. I, I and you know I read my stuff now Stern said Stern couldn't be a judge yeah he had to take himself out of the judging okay because we we just had a relationship and I I think going forward people would have been as the weeks went on people would have been like this isn't fair she's on his show she's you know they know each other and it would have been a whole thing so now have when you call you call on the Stern show a lot um, have you talked to him about this or have you talked about it on air or is that taboo because he's I wanted to. I'm trying to get in as a guest. I asked Gary. I want to come in and talk about it, but I don't think he really wants to talk about it. He, he, what can he say? He works for the show. He right. can't really say anything. I don't think he wants me bad mouthing. And not that I would. I would just, you know, talk him, to him jokingly about it. But no, I don't speak to him. I just, I just, I do voices. I record voices for them and, and bits and stuff. And uh, we don't talk directly. So after you get done the AGT, the boot camp. Mm-hmm. Like, like it sounds so awful. I, I, know. I just being like, in a, it, I didn't realize it really was boot camp. They were like feeding us horrible food, waking us up at five a.m. and it was like mind torture, you know. And there, there were people there with dogs. Like, was there? I don't, there let were me, dogs. Did they, so they, you had to share this this boot camp with all like these. And I mean, this, the place was huge. It was like an airplane hangar. But still, there's probably like the weirdo people. There's probably a lot of weirdo people. Oh yeah, just well, like, there's you know all the all the freaks that try out for that show, <laughs> contortionists and all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> so you get done that, and you say, "I'm." So you come back to LA. Mm-hmm. And so you get back to LA, and do you? It's nothing really came from it. Where did you get? Any, we already had an agent. I had a, yeah, yeah. I have a voiceover agent. That's it. So were you when you got back? Did you start going out a lot again for voiceovers? Um, yeah, I go back. I go right back to auditioning. I mean, it's it was kind of like the same old story. You know, a couple people saw me and 
whatever congratulated me but and, and I had went on some podcasts and did this and that but not it was not it wasn't like when I went on Howard Stern and the next day it was like we want you kid you know it was it was none of that which I was kind of hoping for I was like I'm still I still don't have a comedy agent like I still can't get you know book jobs or whatever but for the comedy agent now I mean you stand up I mean how, how long is set do you have I mean I guess the impression is you can do a big chunk but yeah. do, do you feel comfortable doing stand up because I stand, do see you're lucky because stand up takes a while but I think it, it is a crutch that you have the not a crutch but it is because you do the impressions you know they're going to do well right and that's but that's good and it's because and, you, and you're good at it you're not a crappy impressionist because then people <laughs> like ah, get off the stage so so how long of a set can you do I can do I mean I've done 25 minutes the longest like man I can do like a half an hour um I, I, you know, the gigs I get, I get 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that's all I get. But uh, I, I could, you know, I, I mean, I'm working on a one-woman show, and that's like an hour, over an hour. Well, tell me about that. What's your one-woman show about? Is it, is it just about your upbringing? Are you doing voices? Are you, and now, are you going to do, is it all comedy, or is it the peaks and valleys? Because a lot yeah. of times people say they're peaks and valleys. Yeah, it's like the John Leguizamo kind of, you know, how he talks about his father and, and all that serious stuff. So it's heavy. I had, like, a lot of heaviness growing up in my house and everything, but that sort of added to the comedy and the, the voices and everything like that. Um, yeah, it's going to be like take place all in my bedroom growing up and uh, t- take you through the years of the different bands I listened to, change the posters on the wall and all that stuff. Have my mother come in every once in a while, bang on the door, my brother, and then like be talking on the phone to my friends doing impressions so that I could get all the voices in, you know, and then just sort of take you through like the uh, the agony and the ecstasy, so to speak. Now, how did you come up with that idea for the bedroom? Because it's a great idea. How did you come up for that? Because, I mean... You know, one man. A show is very important when you're doing a lot of characters, and because you want a good setting. Mm-hmm. What made you did, did you hang in your bedroom a lot as a kid? Did you find that as like your yeah your escape? I lived in my bedroom. It was like it was a huge bedroom, and I had a stage in my bedroom because my my house was an old farmhouse, and it, there used to be a staircase going down onto the porch. And my father wanted to close that up, but he wasn't a craftsman; he didn't know how to do that kind of thing. So he couldn't make the floor level, so he had to make it you know higher. Okay. So it wound up being a stage. There was a friggin' stage in my room so I spent all my time on that stage with like a fake mic even though I never thought about like getting an entertainment like I would just sing and do voices in the mirror and stuff like that and I just lived in my room because there was so much trouble going on downstairs I just hid in my room so I figured so much of my you know experience really took place there that that's where it should all be and what kind of music were you listening to back then? Were you were you like a cover girl? Did you listen to cover girls or oh Vogue or or who? Show you, or, or, me, show <laughs> me, you really love me. I actually I said I sent a message on Facebook to uh, Lisa Lisa. From oh my the culture. god! I'm to try to get her on my show. Can you feel the beat? Yeah. Up and I was like, she'd be good. And oh. then she didn't get back to me. Really? I'm like, wait a second. I've had Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses and Terry Nunn from Berlin. <laughs> and Lisa I Lisa won't Terry. get back to me. She's she's wonderful. And she does a show with Wendy. Yeah, she's okay. awesome. She's, I love her. And she she looks great. Yeah. I mean, I we all when back when I was in college. We all had a crush on her. She's so hot. And then she's sitting there, and even my girlfriend Joanne's sitting there going, "Man, she looks great." She's and she's adorable. she's still. And I saw her actually at an '80s concert at uh, <laughs> at the Anaheim. It was a great lineup. It, uh-huh. it was it was her. It was Adam Ant. It was uh, Sugar Hill Gang. It was Rick Springfield who just destroyed. Yeah. I mean, just, oh, he's great, man. And that dude's 62, and he's he's built better than he's like 18. Hot. He is hot. I know. Oh, that's like a man crush. My man crush are him. Yeah. Him and Dennis Leary and David <laughs> Duchovny. They're my man crushes. <laughs> But uh, but she was on stage and you know and it sucked because she they went up first and like there was the fix and all these and because you know L A everyone gets there late and it's an all day concert yeah and Anaheim was only like it was only like a quarter full but when they went on but they just destroyed it and yeah. I'm sitting there going wow after all these years I mean just killed it. Isn't that amazing? It was crazy. So, what was some of the, what was some of the other music? You like? I mean, because you're 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 an '80s kid. No, not, you're you're probably '90s. Kid. No, I'm an '80s kid. MTV came out like at the pivotal '81. It started right, okay. so I was like 10, 12 years old, whatever. And my brother was a musician, so he was listening to Zeppelin, The Doors, The Beach Boys. So I was so into that, The Beatles, all that, because I loved him and I worshipped him. So I was living listening to that hard rock, and then MTV came out, and it was all the pop, you know, it was all that stuff that was on. So I just I loved hard rock, and then in the '80s, I was like total metal. It was like all Skid Row, Guns N' Roses. I love that. Yeah, uh, it's all that. I mean, I never liked the synthesizer-y sound. See, I like that too. Now I, I do. I love I loved Poison. I loved, there was a great metal bar in South Jersey in Somerdale called The Galaxy. Uh-huh. Bon Jovi was the original house band. Mm-hmm. Then it was Cinderella. Then it was Britney Fox. Oh, God. Which are all just so hair metal. I went in there once. <laughs> I had long hair back then and I went in with like a leather jacket and I was like, I look like a pussy. I mean, <laughs> this is how rock and roll these guys right. were. So now, have you ever thought about going into singing? Can I you... was. I was in a band in New Jersey. Yeah, I was a singer. Okay, so Punk now, rock. now, did you like that? I loved it. I'm trying. I'm trying to get a band together out here. Now, what kind of? Now, you play punk rock. Yeah. Which, you know, now, what would kind of music would you play now? Because as we get older, our, our 
things change, but would you play punk rock? Would you play ska? What kind of music would you play? I'd probably still sing punk rock because I write I write the lyrics. You know, I can't write music or play an instrument. Um, but I would also I'm talking to a girlfriend about doing like a cover an all girl cover band. Um, you know, of just like 80s, 90s, whatever. Just that'd be great. Actually, I would, like. I, would, I would go see that just because yeah. it's like even if it was not like. Not like overly punk that you never heard of, yeah. but like Sex Pistols and different, you know, even well, Violent Femmes. I mean, are X-ray specs are not well known enough. You know right. what I mean? That band is so that girl was so good at Polystyrene, and like her voice and those lyrics are really awesome. And I don't think enough girls appreciate that music. Well, yeah, and to be good because there's I know there's Iron Iron Maidens. There's an, oh yeah, there is, and ACDC has one too. I know, okay, I know there's like I think Kissette. Or, I don't know. Yeah. So now now back to the comedy. Now getting a comedy manager. Now, would you want to go on the road? Is that one of your things? Because I, the road sucks. Well, the road sucks. I know. Especially, it's better now for women. I mean, back when I was on the road, I felt bad for female comics yeah. because it's so funny. It's, people are talking. I, I, I've gotten the one social media thing I've gotten to is about the Bill Cosby thing, mm-hmm. and I think he's a fucking racist. Oh, I mean, a rapist. And 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 I, my my girlfriend is a public. Uh, she speaks. She's been a few shows. She's a date rape victim. A very high profile wow. case. She speaks about it, you know, and people are like, oh, there's, they're, they're get, trying to get money. She's done, she just did a show for E. She didn't make any money off it. Right. And that's when people sit there and stick up for him. And someone went, well, I'm sticking up because he's a comedian. I'm like, do you know what pigs a lot of male comics are? And and, and now it's not as bad because mm-hmm. there's a lot of females. But I mean, the road would back then suck. But would you want to go on the road? I don't, I'd only want to experience it because I need to get paid. <laughs> I don't make any money in voiceover. I don't make a lot of money in voiceover. So I'm constantly struggling. Like it's it's been, since I moved here and quit my job, it's been nothing but a financial struggle for me. So I would like to do anything that's going to pay me. Um, I don't ideally want to live on the road because I'm already like a person who doesn't like to be alone. So I can just imagine myself in hotel rooms, like, you know, eating macaroni and cheese and then hanging myself. Like I could totally, totally see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I just, it would, but it would be something I like to experience, especially because people are always asking me all over Twitter, like, hey, when are you coming to Memphis? Are you ever going to be in Canada? When are you coming to Albany? It's like, that's all I get. But I don't know how to do, I don't know what to do. Have you ever thought about, and, and this is something <laughs> that, you know, and I heard it's not bad when you're the talent have you ever thought about doing cruises oh yeah some guy approached me about cruises I'm supposed to put together a set for him that was back in May and I haven't done it yet that, I think that for you is it's because you have to do like uh, I mean first of all if you have a 30 minute set if you have two you need to do like two different 30 minute sets yeah clean and dirty but the thing is if you can do voices mm-hmm. you can do it any of those sets. Yeah. That, I mean, and I guarantee you, they'd love you on the cruises. And then that's also something where you work like one night a week. I know. And then you sit there and then you go hit the beach. I and know. not the beach, the boat. And then you, you eat on the boat. And it's not <laughs> like the Dunkin' Donuts and Subway. Oh, no. That's like something you should, would you, would you want to go? Or do you like the water? I never wanted to go on a cruise in my life because I think they're gross just being with all those people. And I don't want to get Legionnaire's disease. But I would, I would do it. <laughs> I should do it. I'm stupid not to do it because the guy, he saw me in America's Got Talent and he's like, you would be so great, especially on Disney because you could do those voices and the money. They pay well. I know. And I really, I really want to do it, but I get, you know, I get busy out here in LA. You're running around. You're like, oh, but this might turn into something. Oh, but I got to go do this because this, and then before you know it, it's like you forget about the boat and you're like, no, but this is going to work. It's a crazy fucking way to live out here. It is. It is. It's crazy. I mean, now, now with the writing, now, because you were, you have your passion writing. Did you ever think about freelance writing anymore for anyone? Or is no. that something you just you're done with that? Is no. it part writing is such a struggle for me? It's so hard that I, I just I just don't want I don't want to write like f- corporate or anything. I, I can't even see myself sitting still long enough to do that anymore. Now the one person one person show we'll call it that. Um, when did you come up with the idea and how far are you into it? Um, my friend John at the LGBT Center saw me on America's Got Talent and then we were at a party in July and he was like, oh my God, you're the girl. I, I want you to do something at our theater. And uh, it's something I'd always been thinking about, the one woman show, because that's what people tell me I should do. And uh, uh, and so so we talked about it and we sort of discussed w- what it would be. And um, it's supposed to happen in January, but I think I'm going to have to move it back to March just because the holidays I'm going home to Jersey for three weeks and stuff. And so I started thinking about it I'm sorry, I'm like a little bit sick. Um, 
I started thinking about it and I was like, how can I how can I do this so that it incorporates part of my childhood and part of my voices and uh, and the and the room idea just came to me to just have it set up like my room and and have it be, you know, everything take place in one place, make it sort of simple, not have not have to do a lot of sets and not a lot of lighting and all that stuff. And uh, so I'm just I'm, I'm into the concept and some of the writing right now. I don't have it complete. It's just sort of in the But words. you are writing it. Yeah. Now now is it is it hard because I know a lot of times, you know, it, the whole thing about the one pro- problem about one people show one person shows is not a problem, but you're bearing, you know, you have to bear your soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really have to dig deep. You have to mm-hmm. deal with stuff. And the problem when you do that is, and if any, because we're all performers, we're all insecure, and we all constantly worry, is when you do that, then you have to think when you're writing. I'm sure you think, well, people think this is good, yeah, because it, you're you're. It's like flashing your boobs or showing your balls you know it's like <laughs> people go oh, oh or they go oh, you know yeah so so is, is that a struggle for you when you write yes it's really hard for me i always thought i was a person who i could talk about anything in my personal life because you know i do it on stage and stuff but now that i'm writing this and trying to dig it all out it's really scary and it's really hard and i'm having a lot of self-doubts and and the writing is probably being slowed up by my fear um so yeah it's tough but that sounds like, but you know it's a good idea and you know you have the voices so that's that's what's got to keep you going I mean because you know you as I said you have that crutch you have the good voices yeah yeah so now I saw you post something on uh, Facebook because we're friends on Facebook which I don't even I mean it's so funny you become friends with so many people on Facebook that you don't even know them I and, know uh, and now you, you did something with the odd couple yesterday was that or? oh yeah it was just a voiceover for uh, I got to go to this, the set and everything which was really cool and uh, and I stepped like under the boom mic and I did a I did one line as a female cab driver and that was it and I left but it was really fun now is that have you done a lot of stuff for the uh, different TV shows or is that, is that something new you're getting into that's my second TV show I did um Dog with a blog. That there's a Disney show called Dog with a. Yeah, blog. what's his name? Uh, um, what's his name? The guy. The the the. Uh, he was on my show. The, the, Reagan, Reagan Burns. Oh, okay. He's, he's he's. I guess he's not the, the dad. Dog. I guess yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. So I was the parrot. I was the parrot voice on that. Now, so now I, how do you do a parrot? Let me hear your parrot. I was on the set for three days, going like, Alan likes it. Alan likes it. Like I was just standing around on the set for three days of the show doing that. It was great. Now, did you have to audition? Yeah. So you go in, and then now it's just so. So do you have like in your mind? Do you have like a parrot voice? Or That's do you have, it. You just now, heard. Do, it. Anyway, do you have like like if someone said, "Hey, you got to play a bear." Do you have a bear voice? No. Now, do you do you have any other animal voices? I have a seagull, but I can't do it right now because I'm sick. Sick. And growing up in New Jersey, we know exactly they're so damn annoying. I know. They don't shut the hell up. I was walking in Long Branch one time with my with my ex boyfriend, and I was doing the seagull on the street, and we saw like people across the street like looking up, and then when they realized it was me, they were like, "Oh my god." do it again do it again so that was really fun now do you do you challenge yourself to come up with new voices every once in a while or do you just sit there when you need to or how does that work how does your process work for the voices I um I just take from people I meet all the time and luckily I'm meeting people all the time out here so there's so much you know what I mean or like you stand online at Starbucks or the store or whatever you hear these girls talking or whatever it is um, I think I just pick up bits here and there and then I turn that into like a character that you know of my own formation but I don't do it consciously it just sort of happens and then when I have to audition for something something comes out of me and I'm like oh yeah that's that girl that I heard the other day or parts of this guy over here. See, that's very cool. So now now the, the celebrities you do, have you met any of them? Or have you heard, has anyone ever contacted you? Because I'm sure people watch America's Got Talent mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure people, it's like anything, people sit there and go, oh, wait a second. And, and I think like me, if someone did an impression of me, I would sit there and I'd go, oh, okay, that's right. I, I do stammer. I do. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. But has anyone contacted you and said, hey, that's really good or Hey, that's really better. Have you had like fans of them? Because you know how fans are crazy. Have yeah, fans contact you and go, "That doesn't sound like that." You know, pissed off at you. No one has ever said I don't sound like someone. I've <laughs> never gotten that yet, luckily. Um, but uh, Rosie O'Donnell has heard my impressions of her. She tweet she tweeted about it, and so did Wanda Sykes. Um, and Whoopi Goldberg played the clip of My America's Got Talent on The View. See, how cool is that? So that, they've all heard it, yeah. But I mean, that must make, for you, because they're all, they're all very talented, uh, that must make you feel great. Oh, if you my see God. Because it's like, it's like these people who are, I mean, Whoopi's, they're all legendary. I mean, Whoopi, well, Whoopi's, Whoopi's one of my favorites, you know? I've been watching her since <laughs> I'm a little girl. And for her to say Rachel Butera is just amazing to me. See, that's dead on, because I just saw her in Letterman, and it's like, I don't watch The View, but I saw her in Letterman, it's, that's dead on. Thank you. And uh, so, so you do that. So now, um, what was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you something. Oh, the Howard Stern, now... How often do you go on that show now? I don't go on it. I just record I mean, MP3s and bits for them and send them in. So. Now, do they send you a script and say you're doing this? Mm-hmm. And then, now, is it the, are you doing 
voices of their pack of fans, or are you just doing different bits? No, it's not Whack Packers anymore. It's mostly um, celebrities and then just characters and stuff. Um, and sometimes I just send it all in on my own, too. Like if I hear there was a guest in and I have a funny idea, I'll record it and send it in. Sometimes they use it, sometimes not. Now, how do you record it? You said you do it in your living room, but do you have a, like, a whole like a sound system? Or you just do it to a computer? Or I have you- a closet studio. It's just a closet studio Which with, is a, what? with a mic, and then the mic goes into an interface, and the interface into my computer, and that's it. Now, don't, don't you worry about background sound ever? I or? have the, the the closets, not quite soundproof, like but mostly soundproofed. Yeah. So now, now, how did you find out? How did you get that into that technical part? Because I mean, I'm I'm an idiot. I would have no idea what to do. Um, well, that I learned back in New Jersey from my friend Harry Legg, who's a huge voiceover guy, um, a radio imaging guy, and other things. And uh, I was back in Jersey, and I was like, I want to get into voiceover and have a home studio. So I put an ad on Craigslist. List. I was like, hey, does anybody in the area know how to do a home studio? And Harry responded. He's like this really well-known guy. And uh, he lived right up the street in Verona. And we just struck up a friendship. And he showed me how to do a bunch of stuff. And that was it. See, that's cool. I know. We, only, we have about five minutes left. All right. Um, so what's the, what's next? Uh, and how often how often do you do the send stuff to Stern? How often does that happen? It's been happening on a weekly basis for the past couple months, um, so that's really cool. And uh, yeah, I'm going to continue doing that, and and hopefully see them when I go back to Jersey in uh, in December. Um, the one woman show is coming up. Probably I'm going to try and change it to March, and then um, I just do stand up shows when I really may ask. We have a show coming up with Matt Iceman, right? Me too. Oh yeah, that's um, that's TMI. That's a sketch show we did for. Um, Comedy Central last night. That's oh, every Sunday it. at Second City. Yeah. How'd that go? That was great. Yeah. So you do it every Sunday at Second City. I don't. They do it, but I'm I'm in it sometimes when uh, when my time allows. But it's really fun. I I, I love performing sketch with those guys. It's great. You should, you should start a sketch troupe. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Well, we also did a, a panel at Kamikaze called Voice NATO. Me and a bunch of other impressionists, and we're thinking about turning that into something as well. And I just got approached about a reality show about female comedians the other day. So who knows? Would you know? Would you do the reality? I mean, I mean, it's a break because you do. I mean, it's a different reality than. It's than different than that. Yeah. Yes, I would do it, and um, you know, I, I would, I would understand what I was getting into and sort of see what the premise was and everything. But yeah, I think that could. The premise of it is exciting. So, so I would definitely do it. And Kamikaze was uh, just how they find you. These guys, um, they're at my agency. Uh, Kiff Vanderhoeven is Vanderhoeven. I don't know. It's some Dutch name. It's some crazy Dutch name. But he does impressions and he puts it together every year. He put the panel together and asked me and a bunch of impressionists to do it. So. Was that was that fun? Meeting, it was super fun. I mean, so because people come and they ask you questions and they, and I think they they really look up to you guys. Which yeah, is great. Yeah, you get such a reaction when you do the impression. You're gasping. You know, I love that. I love when the audience gasps. See, that's cool. That's very cool. And so so uh, the uh, do you have a website or anything? Yeah, it's uh, rachelbutera.com. And what, what, what can you find on the website? Um, you can hear my voice, de- my demo. It's really terrible. I have to redo it. <laughs> <laughs> I am so, I'm the worst. I don't have anything ready. My YouTube channel sucks. I mean, it's just like a mess. Like It's just so unorganized. But, you know, you can find me there and you can follow me on Twitter at Rachel A. Butera. And now, how, do you tweet a lot? I tweet a lot now, yeah. And it, at first I was like, what is this? Why am I doing it? And then when I saw the fan base building, I was like, oh, shit. So, so I do How many followers now. do you have? Almost eight thousand. Okay, that's you know, cool for for a nobody. That ain't bad. Hey, so so you tweet a lot, and then I see you, you post on Facebook a lot. How did your date go the other night? I think you had joke. a date. <laughs> it was okay. I mean, it was just fine. There was no fireworks or anything. Are you are you having trouble dating in LA? I'm having a really hard time. And why would you think this? I think it's funny. Cause I think people, as I said, New Jersey guys, and I mean, you know, my girlfriend's a Jersey girl. You know, my mm. ex my ex wife is a Pennsylvania girl. So I have, I have a thing to the tri-state area do you just think because the guys are sort of phony and aloof out here i mean i mean be honest i have a hard time everywhere i never had any luck in new jersey either i've actually dated and had more sex in la in the past three years than like i've had in my whole life in new jersey yeah but but you went to the jersey sure Mm -mm. those guys those guidos never liked me they look right through me you should have gone to like stone harbor and avalon i know i was in the wrong place because margate's all the jews (laughs) and i I grew up in a jewish town but i could hang in margate because i'm I'm, I'm like a uh, i'm like a, a a, uh, a, what's it called? Honorary Jew. Yeah. Because you know, I have yeah. a name. And, you know, <laughs> and then Stone Harbor and Avalon was all the preppies. Yeah. And then you go to Wildwood, because we would go to Wildwood later at night if we were if we didn't get lucky. We'd mm-hmm. go and we, and we'd call it slumming because we'd look for all the guidettes. Oh, nice. But it was just the way we did it. It was the 80s. No yeah. one even cared. <laughs> so we have about two minutes to fill up. Uh, just do, do an impression for me or do something. Uh, do, do, do the Wanda Sykes. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't get to that one yet. I'm surprised I could even do that with the way my throat feels today. You know, Steve, this has been one of the best interviews I ever had. Truly, nobody asked me these many in-depth questions before. 
Well, thank you. I try to do that. And now, who, now who's, who's your favorite to do? I mean, it's not, you don't have to do it, but if someone said, hey, you know what? You, here's, if someone's to say, okay, you got to audition, mm-hmm. you got to do this, and we just need you to nail it, what voice would you do? It probably would have been the Wanda, but you know what? Everybody really responds to the Rosie O'Donnell. I don't know why that is, but people absolutely love it. They go, ape shit. That's going to have to do Kathy Griffith. No, no, I can't do her. Really? Yeah. Is there anyone you can't do that you really want to do? I can't do her. I can't do Oprah. And I really can't do Ellen that well. Ellen, I mean, Ellen's just, but people don't. It's really hard. It's a, you know, I just. I just and it's, it's a very, it's a very uh, generic. And it's voice. high. Exactly. I, can't, I can't do it. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you uh, for having once me. Once again, give all your info real quick. Okay. So you can follow me on Twitter at Rachel A. Butera, B-U-T-E-R-A. And um, my website is rachelbutera.com. If you want to book me for some voiceover, I'm with CESD Talent. And uh, you can hear my voices on the Howard Stern Show from time to time. So yeah, please follow or also follow me uh, at Cooper Talk is my Twitter, at Cooper Talk. I'm always tweeting jokes and having a good time. Also, go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have about... 315 episodes up there uh, great past episodes um, also find me on Stitcher and iTunes type in one word one word Cooper Talk email me cooper at coopertalk.net also if you have the Google Android phone or whatever that go to the Google Play Store type in Cooper Talk and you can get my app it's free and you can listen also I don't perform much anymore but uh, December 13th I'll be at the IO West doing a Christine Blackburn story worthy storytelling show and yeah so keep listening uh, next week we have a very funny Philadelphia comic Steve Simone and we have Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off actor Alan Ruck that's gonna be great because you know I'm a huge 80s icon lover so anyway you guys have a great Thanksgiving remember I'm Steve Cooper I'm only as hip as my guest don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. It's time for me to go home and relax. Have a good night. Hey.